Welcome to the Future of Australia podcast, where your host, Derek Stewart, interviews the entrepreneurs and founders running the 100 fastest growing new businesses in Australia. On episode 73, I speak with Jimmy Lim, founder of A Real Property. That grew 159% last financial year to do nearly 5.5 million in annual revenue and become one of the fastest growing new businesses in Australia. We discuss why he took a commission only real estate sales job, making $25,000 per year despite having a master's in finance and against the advice of his parents and friends. Why he worked nearly 1,000 days straight without a day off to become the top Ray White office and why he loved helping clients to get amazing outcomes. How he started A Real Property with the vision to have clients for life who he could help no matter where they invest or move to in building up a 4,000 plus property rent roll in Victoria in just a few short years. Why 80% of property managers leave the industry within 12 months and why he reminds his team they are managing people first, not properties. If you're looking for property management in Victoria, from local experts who understand the local market and provide award-winning quality service, check out areal.com.au. That's A-R-E-A-L.com.au. So I'm here with Jimmy Lim, the founder of Areal Property. Welcome to the podcast, Jimmy. Hello, how are you? you? My name is Jimmy. Yeah, it's doing really well. So can you tell us what were you doing before you started A Real Property? What did you study? What were some of the early organizations or, or roles that you were in? Um, I first arrived in Melbourne in 2003 and started my student life in Monash University studying Bachelor of Finance. Um, after after I graduated finance, you know, I furthered my study and continued master in applied finance and finished my master in 2008. Um as all of you know, you know, unfortunately, most of the fresh graduate during that year, 2008, is the start of financial crisis where it's hard to get a job in financial industry. Um, beside finance, under the influence of my family background, um, which they are properly invested back in my hometown in Malaysia, I'm also very keen to know more about property investing in Australia. And I'm fortunate enough to be given a chance to work as a sales consultant in Ray White Oakley back in 2019. 2009, sorry. Um, after three years of hard work, we managed to become number one in Ray White, Victoria in 2012 with my sales partner and mentor in J- with Jason Z. During the time in Ray White, um, I have a lot of, um, I saw a lot of towns in the area for a lot of developers and I'm very fortunate to bump into my developer mentor who is willing to hold my hand and teach me how to become a full-time property developer or investor while I'm still selling property with Ray White. Um, and in 2002, I decided it's time for me to set up and start my first company, um, Asia Land Group. Um, to date, we have developed more than 60 townhouse projects and we were average developed around 80 to 100 townhouse a year. Um, and in 2016, because of Asia Land expansion, I decided to own a hardcore franchise in Box Hill in order to assist our project sales. But eventually, I decided to sell my share to my ex-business partner as I do not see any future moving ahead um, being just a franchise operator. During the same time of 2016, I've also decided to set up our own project sales division within Asialand Group, and we eventually managed to sell around 150 properties in a year. Then in 2019, I founded a real property with my two other main business partner, Nicole and Eddie. Um, since then, we have grown from zero to 2,100 property in less than three years. Um, and also next month, we'll be managing another 1,400 rental property management agency and also another 500 rental management agency before end of financial year 2023. 
That makes us to have around 4,000 property before end of the year, which I believe it makes us the top 10 most number of property managed by independent agency in Victoria. Yeah, that's a real, really amazing journey. So you mentioned you started in Malaysia and your parents were property investors and developers in Malaysia. Is that right? Uh, the, the mainly uh, property investors, also pro- property developer. Um, most of the time, um, they are just the, beyond the man behind the scene by investing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I, I when I was young, I managed to look at look at them. You know, I just admire how um, they are building. They're looking like in terms of building the business from scratch to where they are today. You know, by today we have a lot of investment probably in Malaysia um, that we are own. But then it is actually kind of um, connect myself in property. After I finished, I finished my graduate in in finance, which I think because uh, aside for finance, my 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 interest is always in property. Um, and like at the time of two thousand nine, I feel that um, you know that's that's I need to know more about um, property investing, but I do not have no connection. So what I decided to do that's why by joining Ray White, give me the maximum exposure to know a lot of different people on in different industry and hence you know i i think that's the good good learning curve for me to be able to um, do a lot of property investing through that but also uh, you know i feel that by doing real estate um i actually start to start loving it and i think that selling property uh helping assisting a lot of clients to buy and sell property it's just something i love doing it you know it's up it's the passion Rather than you know um, the dollar the dollar figure behind the commission, yeah. And so, did you consider at one point going into more banking, finance, investing, you know, wealth management, maybe investment banking? Do you, do you consider that pathway, or did you always really have your heart set on real estate? Well, I, I did consider it that way when when I when, when I was studying, but then you know um, after I graduate, I, I I feel that because um you know finance there's always uh, is except. Except telling people what to what to buy in terms of share, you know, just being um, a hedge fund manager in that in that space, it it, it did um, provide a good career path, um, you know, for uh, a fresh grad in order to get into, into into that space. But however, it's just not something I was very very keen. And I um, after I graduated because I realized that um, it doesn't really um, excite me at all. It's just not help not able to help a lot of um, um, investor. Um, to buy the right investment for them, because I, I always think that you know, in, in order for me to um, you know to create more value to the community, I think I need to um, you know need to be able to see through every single different class of asset of investment. And I think that by looking at it, um, it just help people to make the right decision on what type of property to invest. Yeah. And, and so you're studying at university, you're studying finance. You thought you might work there, then you ended up at Ray White. Was that essentially a commission-only sales job when you first started? Yeah, always. Is when I first started, um, I remember I only get paid um, twenty-five thousand, uh, which with a commission, and uh, each each sales I make is only five hundred bucks, and you know, and each listing I get only a thousand dollars. You know, I, um, that's two, when twenty-two thousand. I still can recall at two thousand. Um, 12, after we become number one in Victoria, I sold 146 property. Throughout 146 property, you know, um, I only make 80,000 for the, for the year. And that's why, but I know, but it's not about the money that you make, it's more about the process, 
the learning curve, you know, I, I, over the 1,000 days, you know, in, in three years' time, I only have 10 days off. Uh, you know, I, I even closed you on boxing days uh, and, and try to get the deal done for the, the, the vendor to let them have a good Christmas. So uh, I actually enjoy helping um, the buyer buying right, also helping my vendor to, uh, to sell at the right time. Yeah. And so what what did your friends and family think again? You're studying and then you're, like so you're taking a low salary, commission only sales job. Did they because they understood real estate? Did they were they supportive or did they think um it wasn't the best decision when you were first starting in that role? <laughs> Good question. Um when I first started, actually my, my, my parents actually um are quite against it because I, I I can recall that um you know because they said why you want to get a low entry job when uh you know being a master of finance um you know for, like you can there's a lot of job for you you can always go to Singapore go to Sydney uh you know there's a better 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 finance uh, environment there but I thought about you know, I love being in Melbourne um I enjoy the pace here um you know if I can always get a um, go back to Malaysia actually help my parents um you know and 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 get a, get a, get a better life there but I, I think that I need to prove myself that I can make it here. Um, and I told my parents that, no, I need to learn how to become um, a property investor or even become a, a, a good realtor uh, in, in, to prove myself that I can actually make it here. Yeah. And what about your friends, like people you studied with, like you're doing a master's in finance, a lot of them would have probably gone into investment banking or other forms of the financial services industry. How did they see when you were doing real estate? Like your parents were a bit skeptical. What What about your peers who you studied with? What was their perspective when you were taking on that job at Ray White? Yeah, they, they actually, they actually, you know, end of the day, they, 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 some of them did laugh at me in the beginning. But I'm a person that I don't really look at how people think about me because I'm. I when, once I make 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 up my mind, uh, and it's good that I have a very good partner, which is my wife now. Um, back then, just my girlfriend. She actually told me that you know, if this is what you think is good, best interest for you, just um, just go and do it, and don't think, don't overthink too much because you only you only live once and you want to live um you know within your maximum and not try to um you know live on other people's world so that's why I, that's why i think that is good that you know that we um you know that i make the right decision uh, and I, I thank you my wife nicole that she actually um pushed me to actually um to take a step further um and try to pursue my dream my dream Yes. Yeah, so, so do you think without her support, things might have ended up differently if she wasn't there supporting you in those early days? Obvious, of of course, of course. I think with her with her support, I I, I managed to actually have the coverage to take a, a bigger step. Um, she's a very important role in my life, and I think that with her, um, you know, involvement, even she's currently my CFO in the company. You know, real that I feel that with her around, there's there's, there's a there's a there's a there's a person beside me. You know, had the same forward thinking. You know, had the same like just give me a different voice. You know, me and me and my wife, we both doing business very separate. Well, I'm I'm a forward thinker. She's a more reasonable. She a lot of times she just pull me back. Jimmy, you just have to do this, you have to do that. You know, you don't have to be so aggressive. So most of the time, you know that that I, I like to hear different voice from different people. But that's why. I, but I you know. Uh, but in the in the end, I always make my own decision. Uh, but I think it's good as an entrepreneur myself um, is to make a decision based on gut feeling as well. Mm. And so you mentioned obviously working very hard for three years, becoming the, the top office in Victoria. Was there anything else you did apart from just a lot of hard work that enabled you to be so successful in your early real estate career? So, sorry, I, I missed that. 
So, so you worked very hard, like you said, a thousand days with a, a very few days off. But was there any other things that you did differently to like all the other offices um, in Victoria that allowed you to be the number one um, mm. sort of office? Yeah, I, I recorded uh, during my time in Red White. I just we have um, I, I, one person many forty properties. Um, the things that, that we did differently is we we do Sunday open. So one of the things that we started, we are the first one to start Sunday open in that area. A lot of a lot of people they take Sunday off, but we decide that you know Sunday is the best time for um, uh, a buyer to come and look at the property and they look they look at it because they it's most of the time not not many people especially you know like when they have working Monday to Friday they, they, those are the only two days Saturday Sunday they they want to look at property you know after one month they just want to move on you know and 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 we do get a very good number of inspection when it comes to Sunday open and I think this is the thing that we. Did differently to try to um, capture the market share. Um, also, what we did differently is we have a, we run a lot of private inspection. Uh, I don't know whether most of you can recall during two, the, the time of 2009, 2012, there's a bad time, there's a bad, you know, the market is not doing that great. Um, and we had to the, the only difference that we have did, you know, that that exceed other competitors is we we put a lot of, um, you know, uh, private inspection run through on the property to make sure that you know all every single investor or every single buyer that want to want that want to buy property, uh, we are not missing those people. Yep. Yeah, and, and so yeah, you're in property. You mentioned development, sales, property management. What made you want to start a real property? Um, was there a certain moment or was it just a um, you realized the vision you had for a long time to start your own business? Yeah, the main driving factor is uh, to start a real property is always I want to operate a business which provide property and real estate advisory role for life for my client. Um, what I hate the most during my time in Ray White, after selling the property, my vendor moved from one place to another suburb and I cannot help them to sell the property because we are either not regarded as local specialists or the franchise policy does not allow you to do so. Um, a real vision is always trying to be the agency of choice to deliver a trustworthy and professional experience that exceeds our client expectation regardless of where you are and where you're from. Um, and also to become the largest independent real estate and property group by managing 50,000 property management. This is always my dream, you know. Um, and the current real estate industry hinder a lot of real estate agents from taking business everywhere in Australia as a group. I'm not saying as a franchise group, I mean from an organization point of view. So we decide we need to create an agency where you can be the listing agent in one area where you have the connection with the vendor and at the same time have the selling agent on the other area where we can trust they will perform the duties that we can expect as a, a real agent. What it means, we need to be able to build enough trust to the client that we are currently dealing with and making sure we do the right thing with people all the time. Therefore, we want to be able to demonstrate to the market that we are able to provide assistance to investor and client and give them the best advice on not only the real estate buying, but buying and selling, but also how we can help them to make sure they do the property investing, that the investor can benefit either from cash flow positive, one, second, capital gain, or both. So the trigger point for me to start a real property, you know, in two, back in 2019 is the beginning of we are giving an opportunity to buy a small rent roll um, and acting as a pure investor. But in the end, after I had done the market research in the property industry and consult with my current corporate partner, KK Wong, um, who had run corporate law firm internationally around the world, we decided to do this ourselves and we believe there's a shortage of good solid real estate agency that provide one-stop service to their client and making sure everyone do the right thing with the investor. What it means is we do not regard ourselves as a traditional realtor, but also added on service such as buy advocacy rule on what type of asset to buy, what to hold, and what to sell. We believe that real estate residential investments such as buying apartment, townhouse, and house is just one of many different investments you can have. 
there are other type of property investing any investor can consider. For example, you know, by buying commercial, industrial, property development fund, office development, and many other type of investment that the client can fully understand the risk and return they are getting from all different asset class. This makes property investing become interesting and more complete and hence a more diversified portfolio can be created. We want to make this sophisticated invest, investment in property as in commercial to become more easily understand and accessible to the public. Hence, we started a real property group in October 2019, just before the COVID hit us. Um, we acquired a rental portfolio size of 500 to begin with in the first 12 months. It's the same as any other businesses when you first started. We need to spend a lot of resources at the beginning just to make sure we gain enough trust from most of our clients by doing all the right thing. We also spend a lot of time training the team to have a right service mindset in a very volatile industry. During the first 12 months, we are struggling with high turnover of staff and 80% of our property manager could not make it on the first 12 months, either with a real or with other agency due to the new legislation change. Um, and the weak stress the property manager are getting from the COVID period, either from an angry landlord not getting enough you know, rent and to pay off the mortgage or the upset tenant, you know, that lose the job during the COVID period, which create a lot of negativity to the PM overall. So almost every week during this difficult period, we had to deal with all these complaints and to calm everyone down. But luckily, we managed to survive and still be being able to grow during this period. Um, so, so you mentioned, you know, starting right before COVID, which was a very difficult time for property management. Um, and you mentioned staff turnover. What was that? Um, how did you manage those difficulties, getting uh, staff who who's, uh, stayed, keeping investors happy, keeping tenants happy? You're sort of in the middle of all three as the owner. How did you manage all that sort of tension and conflict during COVID? Well, um, the first thing first we, we did is try to um, calm all our, our, our team down is because we all know that it's a very stressed period of time, you know, as we just start up business in um, 2019, October, and the COVID hit us at the beginning of um, 2020. So what we did, the first thing first after the lockdown happened, um, and we moved everything from the office base to the home base, and we had um, our our team team meeting almost every day, um, and just told them, you know, um, if they, if you have that any stress or anything that you can't cope with, um, that in terms of the landlord complex, or the same complaint comes straight to all the management level. Um, the good thing about it is, we, during at that time, we still we got about four or five um, management level um, that are not dealing with property, and we can help them, you know, to deal with all these complaint and stress. And you know, and and also in the meantime, we just tell, first thing first, we always tell the team that you know, just calm down. You know, if you are in, in in a difficult position and you know you don't know how to handle the situation, come straight to us because we we as an entrepreneur we need to give the team the tools to make sure that they, they know how to deal with a difficult situation like this. No one experienced COVID before. Um, we all know that. Um, but it's just that I, I, I think just be just be more empathy, put more empathy mm -hmm. on it and just making sure that, you know, people, um, we, we are all hu normal human beings. Uh, you know, people can make mistakes. And, you know, and I think good thing about it, we are in Australia. There's a lot of good people surrounding us. Um, and hence, we are able to um, have a very good, better conversation, communication um, with all the tenant and landlord. Yep. And who do you see who does the best in property management? You mentioned service is really important, empathy for yourself and the staff. What type of people when you're hiring property managers, what do you look for in someone who has the potential to be a really good PM? Uh, what we normally look for in a property manager, um, one, is they have to be a people, people person. 
So not, I think, I think being compliance is one thing because now, especially in Victoria, we all know that um, you know, there's so many legislation and rules that you need to you need to comply being a real realtor or real estate agent. Um, and but in the meantime, you also have to be a paper person. Uh, for example, um, I'll, I'll give this example. If you know, if you are always most of the time, you know the the. The owner or the tenant doesn't know the legislation. Most of the time, I just tell my property manager, do not just start up the conversation by using the legislation as a tool to, to, to help you to smooth the communication because it won't, because you just have to put yourself in their shoe most of the time um, and you have to be more considerate thinking that, okay, why the tenant is thinking like this? Why the landlord is thinking like this? How can I actually, you know, if you put yourself in their shoes and just be friend with them and just understand the difficult situation they are in, you know, and most of the time we'll, we'll find a solution. Um, um, all, all, as an agent, that's why I said you, you need to balance the relationship between the tenant need and the owner need. Uh, and if you know how to do it correctly and uh, you know, but deliver bad news in a good way, this is one of the good things I like to say. Always try to deliver bad news in a good way. If you do that right um, and, and communicate true, uh, you know, you definitely will get a good resolution. And, and that's a, a real skill, delivering bad news in a good way. So, so what's an example where you would coach one of your PMs to be able to deliver bad news, maybe let's say to the um, landlord, to the investor, how would you um, get them to deliver some bad news? Maybe like a tenant's left. What's the best way to communicate that? Your property's vacant, the rent's going to be coming in. What, what's the best way to communicate a hard situation like that to the um, to the client? Yeah, the tenant left. No, I always told I always told the told told the owner. I said tenant left sometimes is not a bad thing because there's always a rent review that you can review the rent. Uh, you know, you can push up the rent a little bit more. Uh, you know, I always told my property manager do not be um, conservative on getting the rent up. Just be able to deliver the message. But you know, I said just be be able to deliver the message saying that we are here to help you to assist the best rent. However, in the meantime, we will get the rent adjusted. Uh, can be on every two to three days or even weekly basis. Uh, even on a daily basis and making sure that you know that we monitor the market on on on, on constantly um get the best dollar for um you know achievement that for, for our landlord and this is what i always tell people that um everything can can be changed you know and not being able to um just look at it as oh there's something happened um there's it's not going to resolve uh, you know, and the other good example is during COVID time, there's a huge rent reduce reduction. You know, some a two, uh, for example, a two bedroom apartment in the CBD they they used to getting six fifty to seven hundred during COVID time, and now they are not even half price. Uh, they're fifty percent reduced in rent. You know, at three fifty. How normally we deliver the message? We we, we told we tell the vendor um, at the moment there's four thousand property on the market. Um, you know, e, there's uh, for rent. You know, and if we are not reducing the the price on time next week you're not talking about 350 next week you're talking about 300 and then eventually you rather get 300 350 now or you get zero right so this is always the communication we have to get past the landlord and let them understand the market is not going any better especially during the start of COVID you know we realized that by being the lowest on that time because we can predict the market going further down in next six to 12 month time we said but in six to 12 month time you can see that your the price that is being being the lowest at the time is not the being low the lowest in the future so but have, by having the, the, the this hard communication just telling them that you rather suffer you rather get something now or getting nothing Right. So you do not want to always chase the tail. 
because you're trying to chase the tail and obviously you have to keep on reducing your rent and you're you're always the second 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 lowest rental and it's not it's not always the case like we we told people that you know by but understand the market trend because we are always on the front line, frontier. We know where the, the, the market is. Yeah. And like you started in real estate sales and then moved into property management. Do you find um, sales agents do well in property management or often it's a different skill set? Like, do you like to hire former um, sales agents or not really? Um, but we actually sales division currently running under a real property as well. Uh, you know, we 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 trans- we actually help. We probably sold about two hundred properties a year in a real property under a real property arm. Um, that's why I say in in terms of um, being a, a sales director background or being a sales agent background and a move into um, running a, a property management focus at the beginning is always um, a bit a bit a bit hard. Property manager and real estate real, real estate a sales real estate agent always think differently. But however, um, one of the key things that I still need to tell people, we, we, are, we are not dealing with the property. We are dealing with people. So what you mean by people is whether they are landlord or they are vendor, they are the same. They just have different requests. So, you know, it's good that I'm being a, a sales director or sales agent because when you're running, when you're trying to sell a property, it's much more harder to actually try to rent a property or manage a property by having the hard communication. Because by having a hard communication at the beginning in, in terms of selling a property, you know, will actually assist, um, you know, when, you, when you're trying to talk to the vendor because the vendor are actually less defensive or they're actually less, um, they're actually more listener. Um, you know, when it comes to telling them to do the right thing in property management, you know, and 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 this is something that I, I like. I, I want to. I, I think that you know, by having a sales background and doing a property management, it helps. However, what the the other point was the different is the property management is more task specific. You know, every single task you do um, that have to be very detailed. Uh, you know, and not always a good sales agent can be a good property manager because of the detailed minded that you have to be. Um, because a lot of sales agents they are very focus on providing um you know to get the best dollar for the for the vendor uh know, for the for the seller but then for the management is more about doing the right thing first also deliver a good message so so to make sure that you know the, the um the tenant and the owner are happy at the same time yeah yeah and i think that's a really good example of the similarities and the differences and so you mentioned you started with a few hundred properties you've got a real estate background then you've grown 159% last financial year doing nearly five and a half million in annual sales down up to close to 4,000 properties under management and became one of the fastest growing new businesses in Australia. Um, so you mentioned, like you said, you grew through acquisition and delivering great service. But what was, um, you know, what was it like managing that growth? Like you said, the team, the clients, COVID, what was that actually like handling that rapid sort of growth and expansion of the business? Well, first, first of all, because we we find it very challenging, of as well as we find it very exciting. So you know, the, the actually the driver behind the rapid growth, you know, is actually come down counter to a few different reasons. Um, first, we think they recognize the importance of doing the right thing for the landlord and making sure that we are exceed the expectation in terms of level of service that we are providing. Um, what it means is we value every you know single review that we receive from the landlord and tenant. Um, if there are any complaint or discomfort among everyone, you know, we'll go straight away act on it and make 
make sure that you know the matter get addressed immediately. You know, by doing this, you know, we actually had a lot of good referral business, and not only from the landlord, but also from the tenant. You know, uh, and they start to become our Ray fan. Um, and if, if eventually, you know, they start referring you know, a lot of business for us. And that's why I mean, you know, this is one of the one of the key factors that we feel that um all this fast growing happening um, within this this 12 month. Um and the other thing that we we notice is um you know we like just uh, just giving you the example of what during during the 12 month periods, uh, you know, we have we by going through a lot of difficult communication with the landlord, you know, we're able to lease the property out at the best price during that time. It gives us we actually get gain more business during COVID, believe it or not, but gain more business during COVID than the normal circumstances because we are able to lease the property out, even though not at the dollar they'd like, but also, but we're able to lease it out. That's important because a lot of property managers they do not like to deliver that kind of bad news, which is not a bad news, but the thing that you know, by not giving the by not by not getting the dollars, the 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 amount of um, rental you that the, the landlord are getting is actually doing something bad with the landlord, which we don't agree to, because we told them, you know, like as long as you know, because they, they for the next six to twelve months, you know, end of the day, the the landlord have to get paid by. You know, they, they, they got a mortgage to pay. And that's why we have to look at it, the perspective. You know, I, I, I even have, we ever have landlord come to cry to us and saying that, oh, I'm not able to, I'm not able to pay the rent on time. And, you know, we, we actually, that, that's the empathy kick in. And I said that, well, this is what we're going to do. Um, you know, is it going to help you a lot? But, but however, we've got a very good Victoria government, you know, that's coming and help us, um, to go through this difficult timing. But then, you know, in the meantime, I feel that, that we, we did our part to make sure that they got the good rent to you as well. And that's why, um, uh, you know, when we able to lease the property out uh, at that during difficult time, you know, we gain more trust and more trust, and you know, the, the good would get get transformed, get transferred around. Um, and you know, and at one time, you know, we are leasing, we're actually leasing uh, 60, 80 property a month, and also we're getting getting about you know 60 new businesses every month. You know, and this is something that we we saw that why this is such a, a rapid growth during this difficult time um, is because we do the right thing. Mm. And, and so you've mentioned legislation a little bit, and obviously Victoria, ha- every state has its own legislation, um, and there's been a lot of changes in the last few years. How has that impacted what you, you've done over the years? You've been running um, a real property um, with those changes to the Victorian sort of rental legislation. Yeah, big, very, very big impact. Um, the recent legislation change in Victoria, you know, not only put a lot of pressure on the property manager in Victoria, but it also affect everyone in the real estate industry. Um, one recent change, you know, by um, the, is the introduction of the new rental law in Victoria is that they aim to provide greater protection for tenant and making it easier for them to understand the right and obligation. You know, um, all these changes either happened before, during, and after the COVID period, when the tenant uh, had more right than ever before, what it means is the Victoria government make landlord does not have much say in the investment property that they own, uh, where the tenant is living. And bear in mind, you know, there are more than seventy percent of investors that only own one investment property in their entire investment life. And with the new legislation change during this difficult time, um, it put a lot of stress for the property manager and landlord. Um, some of the change of under this law, you know, is include very strict requirement for rental property condition. You know, increase or you also increase um, transparency around rent increase um, and more restriction on ending tenancy. Uh, all these changes require property manager to update their procedure and policy to ensure compliance with the new law. Um, you know, and another change that we can see that impacted the property management industry, uh, industry is also the introduction of new privacy law, so uh, such as the Australia's privacy principle. What this law requires property manager is to ensure that you know we handle the personal information in according with strict guidelines. 
including obtaining consent from collecting and using personal information and protect it from misuse, interface, and unauthorized access. So overall, the, the legislation change actually did have a significant impact on the property management industry. Um, and a good property manager always needs to stay up to date with any new law and regulation that affect our business. Um, by keeping all these informed and addictive um, the practice, you now property manager can ensure that you know, we provide a good quality service while maintaining compliance with the law. And in the long run, do you think that will help uh, like a, a bigger independent agency like yourself? You've got more resources, more people, more systematization versus maybe a small independent agency or an agency where property management's not their focus. Um, where, where do you see that sort of hurting or helping different sort of size property management companies? Yeah, I, I think overall, you know, we see that, you know, the, the in long term by having uh, the economy of scale that actually will assist our landlord to um, provide better service. What what it means, like if as as for example, as big office like us, you know, we we have we have the, uh, you know, virtual assistant. Uh, we have more admin support. Um, they can do the paperwork while you know we let the property manager to become our relationship manager because we no we no longer call our property manager property manager anymore in our in our in our company. Um, they are all relationship manager. What it means. That we want to provide the exceptional level of relationship, um, you know, to our landlord um, and also to our tenant. Um, we do not want, you know, them to focus a lot of um, all this admin work that can't cope up with the level of service that we can provide it. But only when you have the skill or have the size that you can do that. Because I think when the company even bigger and bigger, um, you know, because uh, the the property manager. On one property, there's already about 200 over tasks they have to do within a year. Imagine, you know, if they're managing 160 property, 180 property, and the amount of average property manager managing, you can imagine how many tasks they have to do within a year. Is, there's no way a property manager can service uh, what, what we call the A to Z service, you know, without uh, without with a, without a big team behind to support your your back. You're not going to provide a good relationship. Yeah, and so there's a lot of commentary in the media at the moment about the rental market. And what what do you see as the current state of the rental market in Melbourne? And do you have any specific advice to landlords or tenants navigating the current market? Yeah, um, the, the current rental market um, is interesting. You know, we, we saw that as general consider very tight. Uh, at the moment, we are at a low vacancy rate and there's always a high demand for rental property. Um, vacancy rate at the moment, we are at record low at one less than 1% in Victoria. You know, we are seeing studio in the Melbourne CBD without any facility and 20 years old building already listing out at $500 per week, you know, in rental. Uh, we strongly believe that the undersupply of rental property market will be continued for a very, very long time for very various reasons. Um, this has been driven by factors such as population growth, um, a strong economy, and also a shortage of affordable housing. Um, you know, in some areas, rental price has been rising due to high demand and limited supply. However, the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, also played a significant impact on the rental market. Um, you know, with some tenant experience, you know, financial hardship and struggling to pay the rent. So for support for landlord, it's important to stay informed about the market condition and provide proactive in managing your rental property. You know, here is one of the some of the advice and tips that we want to give it to the landlord. Um, first, keep your rental property well maintained and up to date to attract tenant and maximize rental income. Second, you know, always stay informed about rental price in your area. Um, set up competitive rent to attract tenant. You know, while ensuring a fair return on your investment. Third, considering offering incentive. This is what I mean. You know, doing kind of incentive, right? Such as a free month 
or rent or gift card to attract tenant you know, to and fill the vacancy quickly. You know, the third, the fourth thing is to be proactive in managing your tenancy, including you know, conducting regular inspection and addressing maintenance issues promptly. You know, uh, fifth, which is the nuts, maintain an open communication with your tenant, um, particularly during difficult times such as the COVID pandemic, you know, and be flexible and compassionate in dealing with any issue that are arising. You know, lastly, um, considering engage a property manager like us, Ariel, um, to help you manage your rental property, particularly if you own multiple properties um, or are not based in the local area. So overall, you know, the, we believe that rental property market can be competitive. Um, landlord who stay informed, communication effectively with their tenant and maintain their property can succeed in attracting and restraining quality tenant. Yeah, and so to, to zoom out a little bit, like you've been in the property space, you've been in Malaysia, you've been in Australia, um, and a lot of different businesses in in those sort of areas as well. What trends do you see in entrepreneurship in Australia? What do you think Australian entrepreneurs are doing really well, and, and where do you see um, opportunities for further improvement? Yeah, well, well, what I what I see, you know, being an, um, one trend that is in 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 coming for um, you know in engaging in recent years, the rise of the tech entrepreneur in Australia. So what, especially in the Sydney and Melbourne, what have been seen that you know is due to the factor of the government support for startup. You know, there's a strong pool of um, of tech tenant and you know, and growing interest in innovation and disruption. So um, there's also another trend that we can see, you know, in increasing importance of social entrepreneurship in Australia. So this involves you know using business principle to create um positive social or environmental outcome. You know, it's become more popular among younger generation who are passionate about making a difference. So Australia always has a strong um, startup for ecosystem, you know, with a growing number of uh, incubators, um, accelerators and venture capital firms. Um, this has helped to support the growth of new businesses and attract talent from around the world. However, um, we always see there's some area where Australia lag behind other countries. You know, for example, some of the entre entrepreneurs have highlighted, you know, the challenge of accessing funding in Australia. Um, you know, this is this is especially um, true happened in the early stage of business. Uh, in, in also addition, you know, there's also a perception of Australia can be risk adverse when it comes to entrepreneurship. You know, which can make it difficult for startup to get to gain the traction that we needed. You know, overall, I think the outlook of entrepreneurship in Australia is a very positive one, and I think there's a lot of potential for growth and innovation in the coming years. And, and what about within real estate specifically? Have you seen real estate companies be fast to adopt technology? Have you seen them incorporate some of the, the social enterprise aspects or have you seen that not yet take off as much in the real estate sector? Yeah, the, uh, I think in recent years, you know, we, by incorporating, there's a lot of AI technology, you know, then especially, you know, ChatGPT is coming up. You know, there's a lot of all this um, technology that is helping the industry to 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 grow to a, a, a faster a faster pace. I think that, you know, at, at the current trend, um, you know, the technology definitely play a very, very big part in, 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 in our entrepreneurship. Also, there's a lot of prop tech company and fintech company, you know, um, is currently helping, um, you know, the, the real estate um, industry, you know, in actually gaining uh, actually helping the a lot of property manager and a lot of sales do the job easier you know technology definitely play a big part um but also but end of the day you know it's more about um i'll, I'll, I'll talk i always tell people that regardless how how good the technology is uh you know by picking up the phone and call people and not hiding behind an email and not just being just being um using the technology too much i think being being yourself being true um, you know, it's always key in success when uh, being an entrepreneurship. So not just about, um, you know, the statistic, but it's more about being the real you. Yeah. Are there technologies, though, that you've adopted into your business that have made a big difference? 
Yes, of course. Uh, no, we, we use probably me uh, a lot, and we have been we probably um at one given stage, and even at to now uh, we just call it. We use probably more more than twenty different software um in the help us um to actually run our daily operation just on property management space alone. You know, we even use Inspect Real Estate um you know partnering with realestate.com to actually have all these um um question query and even you know all these application reference check um you know by having all these technology help us to make um, a wiser decision for our, our landlord. You know, I think one thing about all this tech is it actually did help to, um, you know, reduce the time that it takes for a property manager to do their job. But, you know, as I mentioned, but most of the time, you know, because you're still dealing with people, you just have to be more open-minded, uh, you know, and just be more careful, um, you know, in selecting the right tenant for the landlord. Yeah, and if someone was sort of 18 to 21 years old right now, maybe they've just finished high school, they've just finished TAFE, they've just finished university, they might like real estate, they like business, but they don't really know what to do or where to start. What, what advice would you give someone who's at that point in their life right now? Well, the first thing first, don't be don't be afraid to take risks. That's what I'm t- telling people. Um, you know, starting starting business is always there's a high degree of risk, right? You know, but you know, but taking calculated risks, you know, can lead to a great reward. So actually, be willing to step out of your comfort zone and try new things. You know, this is what the first ever advice I would give to entrepreneurs that uh, you know want that that want to get into this space. Um, second is you know, try to learn from your failure. Never make the same failure twice. You know, failure is actually inevitable part of the, our entrepreneurship. You know, rather being you know discouraged by failure, use it as an opportunity to learn and grow. You know, I always tell to talk to talk to people that uh, know that we are um, in the same industry. I said just. Oh, the more failure that I encounter, the more happy I am because by having so much failure, I know that, you know, I actually learned so much thing and I actually won't make, as long as I'm not making the same mistake, you know, and which I wouldn't allow me to do so. Um, but, you know, but always know what's the root of the issue rather than look at the surface of, this, of the issue. You know, fa- there's, there's nothing, you're not, you know, there's nothing to be fear about failure. You know, I actually love, enjoy being fear, you know, fail. Yeah, and this is something that um that I always tell a lot of people. Now the second, the third thing, you know, by actually try to build a strong team um to begin with, you know, no entrepreneur can, you know, can be successful by yourself. Building a team of talented and dedicated individuals, you know, to share your same vision and can help you execute your idea. You know, most of uh, currently I'm running a team of 45 people um with a management level of 10 of us. So um they are they actually buy into my one of the good things about my management level, they are all good people in nature, you know. They come and share my vision. You know, we had the same. We have this. We have the vision to serve our client for life. You know, that's what we want to do. You know, we do not want our client to go to somewhere else, and because of we're not, we're not able to deliver um, similar services in property. You know, this is something that they buy into our vision. You know, and and that's why you know all my ma- management level um, is going to be with me for a very very long time. <clears throat> the fourth thing that you know that I, 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 the advice I want to give is just be consistent. You know, be, be consistent and persistent. So what, you know, all success really come with overnight, you know, just stay focused on your goal, stay focused on your lane, you know, then don't give up in the face of obstacle or setback that you encounter. Uh, it just, you know, if if any failure or obstacle that you encounter, it's just a one-off thing, um, you know, just 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 remember, you know, that, that, that there's a better tomorrow, right? And, and of course, you know, the, the, the sixth advice that we have, uh, the fifth advice that we have to give is, you know, prioritize customer satisfaction. This is a lot of um, a company are not 
targeting. Um, you know, they always look at the task, the processes, you know, the, 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 the team, of course, is important, but also prioritize your customer satisfaction. Your customer is the lifeblood of your business, right? Always prioritize their need and strive to exceed their expectation. And that's why a real vision is always to exceed our client expectation. So number six, which is uh, stay up to the, the date of the industry trend. So, you know, the business, we are, we are in, a, in, a, in a constantly changing business. So what is important to stay informed about new technology, you know, the current trend, you know, what's the strategy, you know, what's the current strategy that's, in, that's actually most effective in the industry, you know, always keep learning and adapting, uh, adapting you know, to stay ahead of the curve. Um, and the, the last one, you know, which always maintain a work-life balance, right? So running a business can be very, very time all-consuming, right? It can be time-consuming, it can be energy-consuming, you know, it's important to maintain a healthy balance between the work and personal life. So, you know, take time to recharge and pursue hobby, you know, and interest outside, outside of work. I always give myself three months off, um, holiday off, um, you know, on and off. Uh, and just not only because I, I need the whole break, but it's just I need some some time to clear my mind, you know, and tell myself, um, am I on the right path? You know, what is what what and is there, is there something that I can do to help myself uh, or help my team to the next level? You know, then I I think that's that's key. Yep. And um, yeah, no, you mentioned a lot of, of really good bits of advice. You mentioned failure. Was there a particular failure you had early on that was, um, you know, that you really learned from when you tried something and it didn't quite work the way you were expecting? Yeah, we, we we try many many things. Well, one one of the uh, you know in, in, this is what you know um, or if you um, if you, you can recall what I said in early on, we actually actually run a lot of different real estate agency before already, um, and some of them are, are failure. Some of them is not not because some of them is the business nature. Some of them is the uh, you know the person that we partnership with. Uh, some of them are also um, the the not 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 the right. Uh, right business that we want to get into. So overall, you know, how we look at it, you know, we always analyze whatever, you know, that it doesn't work out. But then as long as we, every time, you know, for example, like I've changed seven partnership already, you know, but now I still have a lot of good partner that's within our organization. And we look at it by changing so much partner. Is that good? Yes, because you get to know what kind of partnership you want for the next partner, right? You know, we every time, every time there's a new partnership, we always trial on a new SPV or new company. You know, we want to make sure that this is this is the company we want to merge for our future. You know, you, you don't just go, you just you don't just go marry into business straight away with someone else. So you always want to test and see whether it works. You know, if it not work, then we cut off and just this is some of the this is some of the failure that we made um, in the past. And now we realize that this is how we want to run it in the future. Right now, like 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 last time, you know, when we just start first start our business, you just oh, we are got we all get excited. We all know what is uh what what is the benefit of running a business. However, uh, you know, together, you know, what's what's all the pro running a business together. But however, we never think about what is the exit strategy. Right, running you need to plan the exit strategy before you even start up. You know, this is something that I always tell. People, if I know all this beforehand, you know, of course, sometimes it's not about people, what people tell you. You have to experience it before you really learn that, okay, this is what I do not want to make the same mistake. As long as you learn from the mistake, as long as you analyze it, your situation every time you, you know that you're not in good shape, that you learn, you're not going to do the same thing next time. Then you are always on the right track. And so you mentioned partnerships and picking the right partner and knowing when is it working, when is it not. Is there anything else you've learned over the years about picking the right business partners and what to look for or, or think do's and don'ts? Well, this this is what this is a good good question. You know, how I look at it is um good partner always um the first thing first have to be good people. Yeah. 
we always look at good people attribute. If you if you are if you are good, you are not a good people, and you are very talented people. You're very smart person. Um, sometimes I'm just sometimes I can straight away got a gut feeling feeling that this is not the right the right partnership. Uh, you know, and by not being calculative as well, this is one of the partnership a good attribute we would like to get partner because once you're being very calculative, um, sometimes not everything can be measurable. Right. And I, I just tell a lot of um, entrepreneurs, if you want to start in the partnership, just remember that, um, you know, you, you not only you are sacrificed for other people, other people are sacrificed for you. I, I always had this firm belief, like whatever share that I owning in the business, I have to provide more than what I'm getting. This is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a person willing to sacrifice a lot for my partnership. I'm not expecting my partner to do the same, but at least they're not being taking advantage of me and not being calculative and they're a good person in nature, um, this is all I care, right? And, and, and I always tell people that you, you rather have a good people with, uh, with B minus skill than you have a, a, a A plus skill with, uh, with C player. No, that's, that's a really good point. And and looking towards the medium term future, where do you see the next five or ten years for Ariel property? Do you have a, a medium to long term vision where you'd like to get to? Yes. Um, no, at this stage, um, by end of the year, we'll be reaching 4,000 rent roll, you know, and close to 100 employees in Victoria alone. So in the next five to 10 years, um, you know, we will see a real property start to expand our business to New Southville and Queensland. Um, the long term of a real is always to be the largest independent real estate agency in Australia, not only the size, but also become the best service provider in our industry. You know, we also want to build a very strong brand and reputation. Um, you know, a real estate business that is known for providing quality services and exit customer expectations you know, can also develop a strong brand and reputation. This will help us to attract new customer and retain existing one. Um, also, um, the long-term plan for a real property is also expanding more business within this organization. You know, we aim to expand our operation over time, either by operating more offices, also expanding into new market and different state, uh, and offering additional service such as bioadvocacy, loan application, you know, and short stay businesses. Um, the, the fourth one, which is we want to build a strong, strong team among um, our businesses, which is a real estate business that had a talented and dedicated team of agent, support staff and manager, you know, can be more effective at serving customer and achieving our, our business goal. You know, the last but not least, this is what we want uh, for our long-term goal for the business is we want to contribute to our community, uh, which we think is important. We want to make aim to make sure that we have to make a positive impact on the community we serve, um, whether by supporting long uh, local charities, sponsoring our community event, you know, or promoting sustainable and environment-friendly practice. I think this is um, by giving back to the community is one of the key things uh, for the long-term goal of the business. And what about people thinking about the property management industry? Like, obviously, you're very positive. You've got a big vision. Um, what about people, like I said, maybe they burned out a bit during COVID or they heard bad stories during COVID about property management? What would you say to those people thinking about getting into, into the property management sphere? Well, uh, for, for them, for those are the, the people are already burned out because we got a very large exit of property manager um, throughout the COVID periods. We probably have more, uh, we have more than 55% um, that people leave the industry because they got burned out by all by all different various reasons. But you know, for those that are newcomers, they want to go into property management manager uh, management space. I advise them, um, you know, you, you you need to be uh, you know be empathy about your client. You know, you need to know that um, that this is the industry that you're going to stay for your life. Um, you know, never think that this never think that this is a, a short term um, about. 
you know, trying to it's just managing property. You're not managing property. You're managing people relationship, right? So property is just a byproduct of the relationship that 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 the, between the landlord and the and the tenant. So end of the day, you know, just telling always telling people that you just remember that you know the the the, the property itself doesn't create any value. But by handling the relationship well, you have a much more easier and relaxed property to manage. So just handle the relationship well, you know, you'll be fine by, um, you'll be fine, you know, whatever you do. People will give you more chance if you handle the relationship well, even you make a mistake, you know, in managing the property. I think th- th- there's a lot of good people around in Australia. There's, there's many great uh, landlord and tenant. But however, if you're not being able to communicate, you tr- a lot of time I saw property manager, they're not, being responsive on email, they're not being, uh, you know, replying email, they're not getting the, the task, you know, by acknowledging that there's actually the, the tenant request or the owner request. Sometimes it's just a simple email saying that uh, we acknowledge that, you know, we're working on it. You know, nothing, not not every single matter can resolve immediately, but just be more understandable and acknowledgement. Send a simple acknowledgement email or text us or even pick up a phone and call and say, you know, um, thank you for your patience. You know, I'm actually, I'm con- I'm actually there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of things that we need to work behind the scene to make it work, but just have to be patient with us. So all this being, you know, acknowledgement of 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 what actually people want, uh, I think that's important. Yeah, and, and do you see yourself ever expanding outside of Australia? Like you've got a big vision for Australia. Would you ever want to manage properties beyond Australia? Of course, you know, one day, you know, we we if we can do the same amount, uh, same business for the Asia Pacific, you know, that would be good. But I think at the moment, all, all, all my focus is currently in helping the Australian, um, you know, landlord and tenant and even also anything that any actually not only just the landlord or, or the tenant or the vendor, anyone that actually had real estate need or property need, um, you know, you feel free to give me a call. You know, I'm happy to give free advice, um, free value, you know, and, and this is always I tell people by creating a lot of um, value added to your customer. That's very, very important rather than, you know, looking at, um, you know, as a business to run. So this is what I like. I think being passionate about what you're doing is important as well. So not just about um, trying to trying to make the commission out of it. That's not always the case. You know, we just always want to be real, um, be telling people that we are here to help. You know, if anyone, you know, listen to the podcast or they have anything of um, do with real estate or property need or any advice they need, um, you know, just I, I'm free to give, guide you the right the right the right thing to do uh you know what to what to where to go uh you know and just it's all free you know we like i don't i don't i don't want to take any you don't even have to come and use our service you can use someone else and just we we'll just tell tell you what's the best advice you know moving ahead moving forward yeah and, and do you have any final thoughts or, or words you'd like to leave the audience with yeah um final i think final sort of words i think it's just and end of the day, you know, that's just, I, I hope that, you know, everyone after listening to, to this podcast is just really, um, I, I think that, that we, we have to make sure that, that we are here to help. You know, we're not here to take advantage of everyone. We just want to make sure that we hear everyone, um, you know, when when they come to what they want in their life and what type of investment property they want to buy. Um, I think this is this is crucially important. And and I always tell people, um, residential investing is just one of the asset class to do not get into just saying that they are the only thing you can do in property investing. You know, it's a very very big um, topic. When it comes to property investing, not just residential. So just be more open-minded 
Um, and, you know, and just be more careful who you're talking to. You know, is that any interest, um, you know, they, they, they are getting, you know, and and are you getting any value out of it or are you trying currently you know, seeing any benefit of it? So just do not listen to advice simply. Just do your own research, you know, and there's a lot of open information on the, on the general public. There's a lot of open information on the particular product. Just be more open-minded. You know, and just I, I always tell people that don't simply investing just because you need to invest, you know, um, but just be looking at what is the best investment for the next two to three years, because investment um, can change um, over time. You know, what is good two, three years ago might not be good for the next two or three years. Excellent. Thanks so much, Jimmy, for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Future of Australia podcast. If you liked the episode, please subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. To learn more about the Future of Australia project, check out futureofaustralia.com. To reach out to Derek directly, you can email derek at futureofaustralia.com. That's D-E-R-E-K at futureofaustralia.com.